lecture five part three of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture five on the patience of the son of god part three the great difficulty in instructing those good people who live mostly on their own sensibilities and who obtain the name of being devout is that they do not realize to themselves in what devoutness consists for devoutness means devotedness and devotedness means being given to something which is not oneself the true sense of devoutness is the being given to god and not to our own sensibilities and feelings the feeling after god not after oneself for our good is in god not in ourselves but we have to bear with ourselves and cease being occupied with ourselves that we may feel after god those pious persons who are attached to their own soft sentimentalities that mere milk for babes cannot enter into the strong things of the patience of christ or of his saints they will accept it for a truth that patient charity is the cause and the principle of the future glory but will mainly look upon it as the enduring of bodily sufferings when they come whether by persecution or by the visitation of god they will not realize to themselves that fundamental patience which rests the soul on god and establishes order strength and peace within the soul engaged with their sensibilities and the troubles that arise from them they seem to expect that patience is to come to them without either effort or combat with themselves they never seem to understand in a practical way that this patience is chiefly concerned with their own interior trials and that they can only obtain that perfection of charity which brings uniform cheerfulness and peace by enduring with constant patience and true resignation both their trials and themselves let us now ascend to the contemplation of the interior pains and sufferings of jesus christ the son of god they as far exceed his exterior sufferings as spirit transcends body but let us take with us the light of the principle that patience proceeds from charity i will go up into the palm tree and take hold of its fruits canticles chapter seven verse eight the palm is the symbol of victory and peace the cross of jesus is the most fruitful of palm trees bringing the greatest peace after the greatest of victories won through unspeakable pains and sufferings for if jesus was what the prophet isaiah predicted of him a man of sorrows acquainted with infirmity he was always victorious by the force of his divine patience his spiritual sufferings were incomparably greater than his corporal sufferings for in his innocence he was the victim and vicarious penitent for all the sins of the children of adam and so became the model of all true penitence as well as the example of resignation to all who are afflicted with interior desolation surely he hath borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows and we have thought him as it were a leper 
and as one stricken by god and afflicted but he was wounded for our iniquities he was bruised for our sins the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his bruises we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray every one hath turned aside into his own way and the lord hath lain upon him the iniquity of us all isaiah chapter fifty three verses four through six the griefs of our divine lord were not the griefs of sadness his sorrows were the sorrows of love and compassion he grieves over the multitude and magnitude of the sins by which god is offended he laments over the calamitous condition to which the offending race of adam has been reduced his love of those innumerable souls whom the father created through him the word of his glory and of whose reason he is himself the illuminator is the cause of all his grief he beholds those souls whom no man can number gone astray from god into misery and darkness and leading a dying life that is in bitter conflict with their instincts for good and with the light of their conscience and he pleads with a strong cry and tears for their return to peace hanging on the cross before his father and loving the sinful world that is crucifying him with a love only second to the love of his father whilst every sense and fibre of his mortal frame suffers exquisite and ignominious torture his afflicted soul is overwhelmed with grief and desolation bearing the vast accumulation of the sins of human nature upon his most pure soul for their expiation he not only sees in his pure light but feels through his pure nature all their foulness their hideous deformity their unceasing accumulation and their unspeakable malice the mockeries and insults heaped upon his languid head are but the concentrated expression of that pride uncleanness and insolence with which the ungrateful creature has insulted his beneficent creator throughout the history of the human race as only divine eyes can penetrate the secrets of human hearts the son of god beholds the miseries of souls whilst their hearts ferment in wickedness he sees the blindness of his chosen people deaf to the voice of the prophets deaf to his own voice and blind to his light he sees mankind at large immersed in idolatries sunk in vices dead to the cry of conscience ignorant of the stupendous work of mercy that is being accomplished for their redemption thus whilst the divine victim enters into the evils for which he suffers he mourns and grieves over the crimes that rise in filthy floods against his father and over the destruction of innumerable souls but as by reason of his patient charity the sufferings of his spirit were in perfect conformity with the divine reason they were only equalled by his love of souls who can fathom that immense love of the souls for whom he suffered who can search the abyss of that grief which fills up the chasm between those fallen souls and god who can explore that divine compassion with which his grieving soul is moved over his erring brethren 
who can divine the ardour of his desire to save them from that everlasting ruin into which their perverted wills have driven them i have a baptism wherewith i am to be baptized and how am i straitened until it be accomplished oh what a baptism of blood of grief and desolation the son of god is more deeply wounded in his spiritual than in his corporal nature the first wound inflicted in the contempt and dishonour offered to the divine majesty in his person the second wound inflicted in the malice with which every grievous sinner crucifies the son of god in himself and makes him a mockery the third wound of his spirit is inflicted by the hideous deformity of each mortal sin destroying as it does the good order and beauty of god's noblest creation the fourth wound of his spirit is from the destruction that he foresees of a great part of his kingdom of grace and of glory by the dark pride of heresy and by malicious habits of sin the fifth and deepest wound is inflicted on his spirit by the deliberate fall of so many souls from grace into the eternal abyss of darkness and punishment although to save them from that abyss he is crucified we have yet to enter into that awful dereliction and desolation in which the soul of jesus is steeped when he reaches the last degree of spiritual suffering with the last degree of patience his soul endures the last penalty due to the sins he is expiating in the abandonment of god this may be looked upon as the atonement for that pride which is the root of all sin and the cause of all malice it may be looked upon in another light as the occasion of the divinest patience and of the most absolute resignation and as the perfect example to which every soul should be conformed that suffers the interior pains of desolation the beatific vision recedes to the extreme summit of his spirit whilst all else of his human soul is invaded by darkness withered in dryness and drenched in bitterness and he exclaims to his father my god my god why hast thou abandoned me in the garden of olives the divine penitent for our sins breathes forth the agonizing cry my soul is sorrowful even unto death on the cross the divine victim of our sins sends forth a cry of utter desolation yet in that last stage of desolation with what a divine fortitude and resignation he surrenders himself to the will of his heavenly father yet not my will but thine be done and resting his weary and exhausted soul upon the divine strength for support he sighs out his life in those words of oblation and surrender father into thy hands i commend my spirit in the garden of olives the son of god is in an agony of soul so fearful that tears of blood gush from his earthly frame on the dolorous way we behold his patient spirit bending down his shattered body under the load of the cross and bearing it along with invincible fortitude to the place of execution on golgotha in his cruel denudation and atrocious suspension 
we hear his prayer for the pardon of his executioners in his interior crucifixion and desolation we contemplate his love for all disconsolate souls for whose strengthening he is preparing grace and consolation in his death he teaches all of us in the midst of our last sufferings how to surrender up our souls to god he is the model of the living and the model of the dying the grace of the living and the grace of the dying the love of the living and the love of the dying and all who die to this world in patient love live through him for ever and ever were we to contemplate the sufferings of christ with our whole mind and heart all the days of our lives we could not reach the hidden depths of his patient sufferings and loving sorrows nor could we exhaust the light and consolation which flow from that contemplation god alone knows what he suffered for our sins god alone knows all the love and patience with which he suffered god alone knows the depths of the tenderness of his divine compassion for our souls what men desire to have in this world and to have above all things else is power if they love money they love it as an instrument of power and as the means of having their own will and way but all power is from god and the greatest power is the charity of god for charity can do all things it unites earth with heaven and the soul with god and gives to the soul peace in herself and power of well-doing but the highest power that we weak mortals can possess is the fortitude of charity which adheres with constancy to god conquers evil and fills the soul with good by the fortitude of charity christ conquered death for all and redeemed the world it is the power of christ and if we imitate his patience we shall come to his power open to him your soul and with his patient charity he will come to you and will fortify you against his enemies and yours it has been a maxim of the world for some ages that knowledge is power knowledge is not power but a condition of power knowledge is of the mind power of the will it is one thing to know and another to do if we act on human knowledge we shall accomplish human things if we act on divine knowledge we shall come to divine things but unless the light to know is accompanied with strength of will to act according to our knowledge that knowledge is in vain and to act upon divine knowledge requires a divine strength the knowledge which is given us of the most dear passion of our lord and saviour intimate in proportion to our love is the revelation to our souls of the divinest love in the divinest patience enriched with heavenly fruits for all that hunger for them but this revelation is a most solemn invitation to us that we should imitate his patience as much as his charity and for this very reason that without patience charity never can be perfect and can never bring us perfect fruits he that taketh not up his cross and followeth me is not worthy of me 
st matthew chapter ten verse thirty eight the grandeur of the patience of the son of god is a great argument of faith it demonstrates his divine power as much as his miracles and must be construed with them it is not the reason but the pride of the infidel that is scandalized with the suffering redeemer of the world to put on our nature to stand in our place to gather all the sufferings due to sin upon his own divine person to endure them with the divine patience of an infinite charity is the loving action of a most merciful god who thus teaches us how to convert our sufferings into virtue and how to make them fruitful to eternal life bridging over the vast gulf between heaven and earth which sin had rent asunder through the marvellous union of god with man he has opened the way through his own sufferings and death to our resurrection he has sanctified all sufferings by his own and has given us the power by uniting our sufferings with his and by acting with the grace of his patient charity to share in his everlasting glory nor is this all for not only have the patient sufferings of christ opened heaven to us but whenever we draw near to the suffering son of god and put our heart into that furnace of love and patience we receive a light an affection and an unction that soothes all sorrows into peace cleanses the soul from evil and comforts her with a cordial strength and an ever-increasing desire of the eternal good the world is full of mysteries the soul is full of mysteries heaven is all mystery to us earthly creatures but whoever embraces the cross with open heart finds therein the explanation of a thousand mysteries end of lecture five part three